0: They have the hog, but we have the log. These were the words spoken by Jeff Norman the night before the 22nd annual Kennett Square Brewfest, describing the prize beer tap to be presented to the victor of the connoisseur hour before the festival. The coveted, artisanally crafted mushroom log uh, tap celebrates Kennett Square's claim to fame as the mushroom capital of the world, producing half the United States mushroom crop every year. But there is more to this sleepy Pennsylvania town than the manure fields that meet the eye and the nose. Every year breweries from across the eastern seaboard come to show their wares and celebrate the art of brewing the true nectar of the gods. Now, after the conclusion of the festival that would give Caden Callian himself a hangover, Griffin and myself are sitting down with the leader of this fest himself to taste beers, talk about the fest and answer some listener questions. He's also Griffin's dad. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. <laughs>
1: And we're back. Yeah, we're back, man. Well, once again, we're not actually back. We're in another place recording a zone of truth on location.
0: We're on the road, baby.
1: Yep, we like to take this show on the road.
0: We're all the way in Pennsylvania, far from home for myself, but actually for you.
1: Yep, this we is are my home. childhood home.
0: Yeah, and we got to sleep here a couple nights Sleep, yeah, com- sleep com- comfortably. <laughs> uh, somewhat <laughs> somewhat comfortably. Um, I had to share a room with um notorious zone of truth uh celebrant here, Chris. And uh let me tell you, that man knows how to snore.
2: What up? Yeah, I
0: snore a whole bunch. Oh yeah, he's also here. Yeah. Um I guess this would be a good time to introduce our third guest co host, Krusty Crust, he's back.
2: How's it going, fellas? Great oh, it's to be going here. Well, man. How did you, you enjoy the fest? Um, what I experienced from it was good. I I didn't I wasn't able to stay awake for the whole fest because I got very <laughs> drunk very fast. But it was a great time, and the variety was exceptional as always. Very happy to be here.
1: Yeah, Chris took off in a sprint at the beginning of the festival. Tried probably forty beers, and then. Passed out under uh, the t-shirt tent he, for about two hours. He burned fast
2: and bright. <laughs> yeah, I got sunburned too. Uh, I, I caught that.
1: Yeah, you have a pretzel necklace tan line on the back of your neck.
2: Yeah, I'm proud of it, though.
1: Oh, yeah. I figured. I mean, the girls worked pretty hard to make that for you. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Chris, we're drinking today. What are you having?
2: So, um, courtesy of our special guest for this episode, I just finished a uh, Baked Glitter Parts IPA, Sticky Buns, from Levante Brewing Company.
0: What makes that beer up? It's got some good taste to it, right?
2: Yeah, it's, it's absolutely delicious. You're drinking one, too. Um, and I also have a crowler, an entire quart of an IPA called Glitter Parts, and I'm really excited to crack into it. I haven't yet, and I'm excited. It's, it's coming up.
0: Well, Chris, I'm finishing off that same IPA. Um, it is, listen to this, guys, at home, brewed with graham crackers, vanilla wafers, toasted coconut, cinnamon, and vanilla. It's delicious. I'm finishing that off and jumping into another um, Levante brew. This one's called the Cloudy and Cumbersome. That's also a full court. so I'm going to feeling real good
2: tonight. Speaking of real good, what are you drinking, Griffin? Oh. no. Hey, buddy, don't steal my shit. (laughs) I'm
1: drinking a Revive. It's a sparkling seltzer by the Levante Brewing Company out here in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and it's the berry mojito flavor, which is pretty unique. I haven't really had a seltzer that tastes like this. They also can all their seltzers in tall boys, which I respect the hell out of. A person like you needs that volume. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's not economical to buy 12 of those skinny little cans for usually like 20 bucks. It's no hams. But, but right now, I mean, I feel like I'm getting my money's worth.
0: Wow. That was, that was low. That was low, Griffin.
1: Like the price of hams.
0: Exactly. But
1: what I really want to do is introduce our guest today who has invited us into his home and allowed us to stay here drink here, and have a weekend of unabashed revelry. I have known him myself for 26 years. Um, I won't say those were short years, but 26 years nonetheless. He has also been running the Kennett Square Brewfest for 22 of those 26 years. So when I was a little tyke, he began the craft beer journey that turned this town from mushroom capital of the state, to the world. Well, yeah, it is the world. To beer capital of the state. This is my dad. I love him. Jeff Norman. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Griffin.
3: This, this is so
0: exciting.
1: It
3: is kind of exciting. Two generations yeah, nice of Nice to Normans. see you across the table, Steve and Chris. Yeah. You're awake.
1: <laughs> yeah. I am. Hard to
3: believe. It is hard to believe. When he comes, he came last year, and he's only awake about
1: 50% of the time I see him.
2: Like a koala or like a sloth or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe that uh, he works a steady job. Oh wait! <laughs> oh come on, that's low.
0: <laughs> got him. Anyway, this is I'm. Uh, you know what? I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm. I I'm doing a poor job. Griffin, you got to take over.
1: Yeah, Steve's a pretty shitty host. That's why I do the regular show. Dad, what are you drinking? My word, I've broken rank from all you Levantians,
3: which by the way is only 10 miles up the road from us here, so uh, I understand why you're having it, uh, but I'm drinking an Oktoberfest Fest beer from Hitchhiker Brewing in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's wonderful, it's biscuity, it's light, it's easy to drink. I thought I'd start with this. Seems to be a nice way to ease into our drinking episode today, so...
0: Absolutely. And uh, Mr. Norman, you've been a beer connoisseur for many, many years. Why beer? What got you into beer? Uh, I don't know. I'm just
3: interested in it. Um, it's. Uh, I started drinking craft beer probably in the late 80s. I've always liked beer. I spent a year of school in Europe, and that really sort of uh, piqued my interest, uh, traveling to Germany. Griffin's been to Belgium. I kind of told him where to go and what to do and what types of things to drink. So yeah, a full
1: itinerary from Jeff
3: Norman, <laughs> <laughs> you need to go here. You need to go here. Uh, and I'm, I'm just a fan, you know? Sure. Uh, it's easy. Uh, wine is just sort of like, you know, it's like small quantities, you know, Griffin and I usually go larger quantities on things. So <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong. So anyway, uh, That was my interest started in uh, the early 80s, actually, and uh, then turned to craft in the late 80s. And uh, that sort of interest in drinking and some of the things I've done uh, in Kenneth Square, uh, being in the government of the town and that kind of thing uh, led to this fundraiser. And I just thought it'd be a really smart way, a new way anyway, to raise money for the town. So.
0: And what did that late 80s brew scene look like? It's not the same craft beer scene that we have today, was it?
3: it was okay in Pennsylvania. It was certainly a lot larger uh, in California. That's kind of where everything started. People like Sierra Nevada uh, started to operate, and that was before of uh, things in this area, probably one of the first craft breweries in Pennsylvania. It's not too far from here in Lancaster County Stout's Brewing. They were they started in the late 80s, and the interesting thing about Stout's is the head brewer was the owner, Carol Stout. So she might be the first female craft brewer not just in Pennsylvania, but in the country. From there other things started springing up closer to Philadelphia. You guys are familiar: Yards, Victory, uh, Fly Fox, Stock Street. Uh, so it really started to roll and snowball from there. Most most of those companies I just mentioned pretty much started in the mid nineties.
0: Excellent. And so mid nineties. It's not all that long after that that you're running the Kenneth Square Brew Fest. What is it? Well. Sort of around that same
3: time, uh, Kenneth Square, which is a small borough of like 5,000 people, like many small towns across Pennsylvania or probably anywhere in the country, was sort of trying to look for their identity for their main streets to fight off the big box people. Uh, I guess I can say it Walmart, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and stores are closing and main streets are getting boarded up. And it was like, but we're not going to allow that to happen in Kennett Square, so what can we do? Uh, We hired a consultant. The first thing we had to do, basically, was get all the merchants on board and find a way to raise money. And one of those ways was to institute membership to an organization that was going to spearhead the revitalization of Kennett that sort of went over okay but you know trying to reach into people's pockets was a little hard so i had mentioned stouts again uh i'd visited some little microbrew festivals they were doing like in the early 90s at their brewery where they had like 20 brewers or so and it was you went in and you had samples and they fed you and You hung out for four hours and had a great time. And I said, I think we can do that. I think we can do something similar to that to raise money for our organization. And that's really how it was born in 1998, which is the first year.
0: And that first year, how many breweries did you have?
3: Mm, Like 12, maybe.
0: (laughs) you come a long way.
3: Some of the four mentioned ones, they weren't even all uh, craft breweries. Probably four of them were just good German import beers because i i couldn't even fill a roster with 12 you know with 12 breweries so it was uh but it was it wasn't a bad first showing well it was kind of a bad first showing i <laughs> <Okay.
0: laughs> think
3: of 125 people showed up so
0: and did everything go according to plan or were you still having some growing pains first year
3: well i mean we had no idea what was going to happen <laughs> we, we did it during uh also has a mushroom festival because it's the mushroom capital of the world so we got permission from them to hold it during the mushroom festival because i'm thinking okay i got a build in crowd and maybe some people will want to come in and some people came in but a lot of people didn't come in number one i don't think they had any idea what we were doing they just they just said you know it's like budweiser miller Cores, or those are the only beers in America, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so hams, oh, yeah, well, of course, hams. hams yeah, you know, probably older than all of them. No, not Budweiser, but. Uh, so, I wasn't deterred, but I wasn't exactly enthusiastic about how the first year went. So,
0: so what made you come back for a second year? Well, I. I
3: mean, I knew it had a chance to be successful. I think I identified what went wrong. The ticket price was a little too high for something like that at that time. Then again, I was trying to model it after something else. Uh, So the second year, we lowered the price. We were still during the Mushroom Festival, and we we moved it to another location, though, as part of the festival. And, you know, long story short, uh, 400 people showed up. So oh, that's, that,
0: that's substantial growth.
3: Right. So that yeah. was encouraging. Good comps. Good yeah. So that was encouraging. Uh, it went about the same. Uh, I'd be lying if I could tell you how many breweries were there, but it was probably 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we probably had 400 people or 500 people and kind of just sort of kept going from there. So, you know, the following year, 800 people showed up. and And then, of course, the brewing scene was growing, so I had more people to invite and more people to get to come, and that happened. So, the interesting part, I'm going on here, but by the sixth year, the Mushroom Festival said, you have to leave. Oh no! <laughs> get the hell out of here! It's <laughs> like yeah. so get uh, get out of here uh, now. You have too many people. I mean, the mushroom festival is kind of a stroller thing and family, so the the mix wasn't entirely comfortable. Uh, there weren't any issues, but it was just uh, you guys can't be here anymore. So, of course, I took that as a compliment actually, and I said, well. How about we do it a month later that's always in early september so we decided we'd shoot for early october and we'd have the canopy fest and it would be a standalone event to bring people to town and that's what happened
0: yeah so since then i mean the festival has grown enormously fast forward to the festival that we were just at yesterday how many breweries were there?
3: So yesterday we had. Uh, it was actually one hundred and one. So one hundred and one. We advertised we have a hundred breweries at the festival. So how how many people showed up? Uh, probably, you know, paid attendance was probably about thirty-five to thirty-seven hundred. Everyone on site, though, it's probably low four thousands, maybe as high as forty-five hundred people between all the brewers and volunteers and everyone else who's associated with it. So it's definitely over 4,000
1: people. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, I remember just growing up and him doing this every year, how it it has changed location a few times and, you, you know, you've constantly needed to find a bigger spot to do it and, I, I remember when it left the Mushroom Fest because I remember it always being on the Mushroom Fest as a kid and then it moved. Uh, Weren't you just waiting for the day you could come? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never got me in early.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> you could have volunteered
0: and like folded t-shirts or something. Yeah. What you do now. Mom would have got me beer. Right. What does one do at a Mushroom Fest? What is that? Uh, Beer Fest you mean No, 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 no. he's talking about the oh. yeah. <laughs> sorry, it's your festival
1: um, It's basically like a Like they shut down Main Street In in Kennet And there's vendors On either side of the street uh, A lot of mushroom themed Shops And food Like you can get like fried portobello sandwiches And all that kind of stuff Or you at least used to be able to um, And And then it's just a bunch of like a bunch of different people selling different stuff. Yeah, Griffin probably doesn't even know,
3: but like I think they instituted it maybe three years ago, they now do a fried mushroom eating contest. Eating contest. Yeah, so you got people up there shoving like four pounds of fried mushrooms in their mouth. You know, like Nathan's hot dogs or chicken wings or whatever but they we do mushrooms now so do you know what the record is i you know i don't know what it is i know (laughs) i i do know it's like it's between that like three and four pounds and like Twenty minutes or something. Or.
0: I'm I'm getting a look from Chris. What do you think about eating four pounds of mushrooms? No, I can't. I can't
2: fathom that. And I just and I'm trying not to picture as much as possible.
0: Is it the volume or
2: is it the the product itself that's getting you? It's going? it's the combination of both. It's it's both those factors that are that are killing
1: me. I mean, fried mushrooms are great. Yeah, it's really the breading that'll kill you. I think you know it's, mushrooms are kind of easy to eat when like served hot. Like I can't imagine the first fifty. Um, fried mushrooms you eat, it's like one of those straight out of the fryer burn the shit out of your insides. You gotta be careful, yeah.
3: And they are grower tours and stuff like that, so it's it's not just like a straight street festival, there's educational aspects to it, there are cooking demonstrations, that kind of stuff.
1: So that's what happens at a mushroom festival. Didn't they used to have like I feel like I remember a year where there were a bunch of, like, motorcycles, like, on display or something, something to that effect.
3: Yeah, they had, like, an antique car show yeah. with it and that kind of stuff. I have, uh, I'd have I should have dug it out. I, the one year I entered, there was a mushroom competition. So I did, uh, We, you know, we usually vacation in the Caribbean. So I did these uh, jerked breaded mushrooms with, like, this tamarind dipping sauce And I made like a palm tree out of carrots and green peppers and stuff. And when when it was given to the judges, I played reggae music in the background, and only got second place. I I think I was robbed, quite frankly. But I (laughs) have a nice photo. There's a nice photo in the can of paper of me holding like a two, maybe three year old griffin. uh, That you know at the mushroom competition. So.
0: I, bet, I cool. bet if you put the dreads in your hair you would have taken first. Maybe. They're just looking for a little, <laughs> I know, little I, more to be. only
3: goes so far. You know, I, could ta- <laughs> I couldn't take it any further than I took it, and just kind of disappointed.
2: So looking back over you know two decades worth of, of brewfest experience, are there any like choice moments that stand out in your head particularly? I mean, I, I imagine every brew fest has to be different, but are, are there any crazy things you've gotten into at a particular brewfest that you remember?
0: Uh
3: I mean not so much Uh, about the fifth or sixth year in you know my brain starts rolling again it's like okay we're doing this for six years what am I going to do so I created this connoisseur session and that was really a -a one-of-a-kind thing uh, at least in the mid-atlantic market and that was at a time where I could put a theme on it so one year it was and and it was much less. It was like maybe 20 brewers, and it was a smaller than what you guys experienced yesterday. Uh, so there'd be a Belgian theme. So everyone who was in it brewed a specialty Belgian-style beer. Another year, it was dark beer-themed. Another year, it was, uh, it was hoppy. So I, d- I did things like that. That's always stood out to me just because no one else did it and to this day no one else really does it a lot of other festivals do a vip ticket all that really means is you get in early so that you don't have lines for like an extra hour or something like that i never let anyone call our session a vip because it's it is a connoisseur session. It's for people who appreciate really good beer they love it every year and uh so that that's really the thing that has stood out about it to me uh one year, uh, a husband and wife got handcuffed and taken out, so that was kind of interesting. I mean, last year, <laughs> that, that chick pissed herself and got
1: cut it out by the EMT.
3: Yeah, yeah, I don't really like to talk about these things too much. But <laughs> it's a beer festival. There's 4,000 people in 22 years. No one's ever been arrested. Uh, no one's died yet? No one's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're great. No one has died. Uh, uh, no one site. Yeah, so, yeah, so, it's, I mean, it's been fine. It's been really good, uh, but that uh, that aspect that I'm talking to you about, I mean, has been super successful, except the one year I made the theme session ales, and everyone got extremely pissed off. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, so, I'm paying extra money for 4% beers, you know, <laughs> so, I was like, ah, I don't know, I mean... But it was a theme, and and it was the point was is that here's really tasty beer that doesn't have to be twelve yeah. percent. You know, it's like this stuff is really good, and it's four four and a half percent. Uh, then after that, it just started to get so big that all I really asked for the, from the brewers was I need specialty product. Uh, yesterday, I think at least five breweries brewed a beer specifically for the connoisseur again, so that was nice. Other people, uh, it's going to be a commercial beer that they have, but we get it first, like what, what you were drinking right now, Chris and Steve. That's why they
1: call him um, the beer king of Pennsylvania because he just pulls a little strings, gets them pulls a little gets strings. early access.
3: That beer you're drinking won't be out till Thursday, and here we sit.
0: Very exclusive. Just about three weeks before this episode drops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: you two are blessed. <laughs> Very blessed. So, Dad, I kind of know this, but our, our listeners really don't. And I think it's kind of a testament to your work ethic and doing this, you know, for a charitable cause for the, for the town. But can you tell us a little bit about just the prep work and the work? You know, the work of the work that goes into this, because it's a huge festival and obviously is a huge draw and a huge boon to the town. But it I mean, you're you're planning for months and months. Yeah, it's a
3: lot of work. And every everyone who's on the committee is a volunteer. So no one's being paid to put this thing together. Um, I, the short answer is it's year round, because once this became so successful, like almost all nonprofits, they're looking for ways to make raise more money so we threw a lot of things around and it didn't even it didn't even i wasn't included in all of it but some a couple other events weren't really that successful so i turned eight years ago i turned to the executive director and said why don't we do winterfest and she's like well what's winterfest and i'm like well we're going to do a smaller brewfest but we're going to do it outside. You know, we're going to make it unique. We're going to, you know, people are going to come in their hats and gloves and we're going to drink beer outside in the winter. And uh, it was like a light bulb went off. It was kind of a no brainer. And we capped it at about a thousand people and it's sold out every year at a thousand. Uh, it's a little smaller, but it's it's almost like a full festival that mimics the connoisseur festival or session that we did yesterday in that it's 60 breweries and it's like really incredible beer it's usually pretty high abv beer because it's winter
0: yeah so yes yeah,
3: they want so uh i'll start plant that's at the end of february last saturday of february i'll start next week working on that and i'll probably invite brewers at the end of october tickets will go on sale we usually sell tickets black friday it's like why get your dad a tie, you know, get him a Winterfest ticket for Christmas, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that'll go and that'll happen. It'll be March 1st and I'll probably not really do anything for two weeks. And then we'll start back on the uh, fall fest. So, uh, I mean, it's not like I'm doing something every day, but the planning now is year round. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Uh, yeah. And I do, I mean, I do a lot of it. i because I'm interested in craft beer and the scene and whatever, you know, I have the contacts. Uh, this year, even though it's a 22nd year, we had 22 or 23 first-time breweries. I make it a point to know that. I know who's opening in Pennsylvania and Delaware and you know wherever. I know who I can get. We've ventured into Pittsburgh now and had. Yesterday, two really highly regarded breweries from there have come for their second year. They wouldn't have come yesterday if they didn't have a good time. In 2018, they loved the festival. They're coming back. They're telling their friends in Pittsburgh. So I'm trying to get more Pittsburgh breweries again, just to give more variety and try to make us uh, have a you know have an edge on
1: other festivals because now they're just like every weekend almost there's a festival well i mean you got pittsburgh it's only gonna be a year or two before columbus is coming out
0: that's right <laughs> there was a pl- platform was there from i think cincinnati or is that cleveland was
3: platform there yeah. mm, i don't think they're from either i think they're from no, a pl- smaller town Pla- platform cincy yeah. oh it platform is cincy. Cincy. Okay. yeah i'm sorry
2: yeah they were there for sure oh i
1: didn't stop at their tent so now,
3: no one came from ohio
1: Right, they know, have reps. They have a yeah.
3: distribution deal locally, and they have a local yes. rep, and they came. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm always looking for those kind of people. I mean, you know, Stone's there. No one's from San Diego, but they have a, you know, they have a big presence in Philadelphia. Yeah, like founders always. And they're out. in Richmond now. They have a brewery in Richmond, Virginia. So, uh, so I I can get pretty much anyone to come. The breweries love our event as long as they're allowed to be in Pennsylvania. So you know, if they can be here. I ask them.
0: So, so I'm looking around the table. I'm looking at my boy, Griff. I'm looking at my boy, Chris. And I think we're just all wondering, what are we going to see in 2020? Uh, probably
3: more of the same, but um, I am going to try to branch out uh, uh, again further across the whole state of Pennsylvania. Well, at one time, I, you know, I didn't want to be too exclusive because there's so many great breweries, but one of my connoisseur thoughts was Pennsylvania only breweries. Mm-hmm and i could i could easily do that and easily fill it up uh that may happen so i I may consider something like that uh we had seltzer for the first time this year and it was really good it was good it was it's a local company two robbers and they're in philly so i decided i think that would be okay let's get some seltzer in it's a growing it's a huge growing market uh you know, we have cider, obviously, too, and meaderies, but you know, the focus is still obviously on breweries.
2: So, you hinted at this a little bit earlier, but for those listeners who aren't like in local in the area, the Pennsylvania law regarding alcohol is a little different. It, in your In your years of experience, has that ever like presented a problem to you guys, or like you've had to jump through some different hoops to get to you know to, to set up the fest or anything? Uh, <laughs>
3: Not so much. Actually, what ha- what had to happen was uh, early on. Uh, you know, we had we had to find a, a way to get an event license. So uh, and that's what you get in Pennsylvania. You get a one day event license for something like this, and it's rain or shine. So if it rains, you're getting wet at the Fest. Uh yeah, So you are. so that. That had some ambiguity about it in that if you use someone's license, where were you allowed to hold the event? And I won't go into too much detail, but we found out pretty quickly that we, we needed to find a way that we as an organization could apply. And there was, there was an avenue to do that, like museums and, and not-for-profit hospitals were allowed to apply for these one-day liquor licenses, so we had our state representative craft a highly defined uh, definition of Kennett Square as a town, size, borough, what we do, what the organization does and it passed and it gets written up in the plcb so now we can apply for this license and we can hold the event wherever we want to so someone gives us permission for their property we have the license and then of course every other borough in the five counties around philadelphia used our wouldn't even call it an exception but used that legislation and started throwing their own beer festivals so it was it was necessary to do it but it opened up a lot of
1: competition does, and you had alluded to it earlier, but is the Kennett kind of Brewfest like the second ish oldest beer festival in Pennsylvania? Uh, I think it's one of the oldest, at least continuous.
3: Uh, it's, it's one of the... I would call one of the earliest being in the late 90s. I alluded to Stouts was earlier. Uh, there have been some things in Philly. There's a, an event called uh, Split Thy Skull. <laughs>
1: Split which, Thy Skull.
3: Which, which, name. Was, which was actually held at a bar, and it was all like huge beers, like all 10% plus beers. And that went on. That was definitely, I think, in, in the late 90s as well. But it's defunct. It doesn't run any longer. So I would say our time frame and our longevity probably makes us one of the oldest for sure. Well. I don't know if it's second Griffin. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's in that range. It's definitely one of the top
0: five oldest. Well, looking forward to the future. Are there any up and coming breweries that maybe some of our listeners who live in the area should look for? Are there any new players out there that you're excited about? Cool beers coming out?
3: Yeah. Well, guys, we had yesterday, uh, breaker which is up in wilkes so north of you know north of here there's a brewery called new trail uh which is in uh, williamsport pennsylvania sure their head brewer is an alumnus of tired hands which is in a on the main line outside of philadelphia who had you know tired hands has real cult status for i mean if you live in this area and you haven't had beer from tired hands you're just not really probably into craft you know that much <laughs> but but they sprung off they're one of the actually earliest like hazy ipa people in the mid-atlantic region and uh so uh, those two breweries uh there's some good ones further south in delaware that i just couldn't get for this year that i'm going to work on like dewey brewing company at the beach and uh RAR's down there there's one called Burley oak so i'm i'm so, you know, if you're in this area and you vacation, not at the Jersey Shore, but like at the Delaware and Maryland Shore, those are really good breweries. They're popping up all, you know, all over the place. It's almost like we're in the period of neighborhood breweries again. You know, like you you had an allegiance to like the guys that were down the street, which is pretty much pre-prohibition. Uh, you know, like uh, an example, Lancaster, which isn't far from us here, I think pre-prohibition of 14 breweries in the you know in the city of Lancaster so I think you're sort of seeing that idea again.
1: So I have a I have a two-parter question I don't think I'm stepping on any of our listeners questions, toes um, So two parts first, what was the first beer you ever had if you remember and second, I'm not going to ask you your favorite beer, because I know you you're very eclectic in your beer taste, but I do kind of want to know what your favorite or maybe top two styles of beer are. Like, I feel like our listeners know relatively well that if I'm drinking a beer, I prefer it to be a stout or a porter. Those would be the styles that like are my go to's. Do you have that? I know you drink pretty much any kind of beer, but is there something you lean back on? Well, for, for the first part of the question, I'm pretty sure it was
3: cold 45.
0: Ooh, <laughs> baby.
1: And I should probably just leave it at that.
0: <laughs>
1: Ooh, boy. He's leaving out the two zigzags. Yeah. Hey,
2: anyway, that's so, all you
1: need.
3: And uh, as far as beer style, uh, I'm a huge fan of Cezanne, which is a Belgian... Uh, Ale that can range from being very light, they usually call it like table beer, like the farm workers would come in at lunch and drink like this 3.2%, but sort of spicy and very flavorful Uh, ale that's usually always golden in color, but a beer like Cezanne DuPont, I mean, I just think it's like the best beer in the world, so I mean, that's one of my favorite styles and then i gravitate towards lager and it can be a variety of things i love pilsner good the good hoppy pills uh i love bach and so it's not it's not like i'm not into the whole craze or trend we all seem to love ipas but i would say uh any kind of variational variation of lager and but belgian saison is definitely my favorite
1: well i'll give you kudos because even though i'm not as big of a fan as of as you are of those kind of styles you still definitely got me into craft beer no. uh very very easily um and i think it's just <laughs> well, it's, you had no choice yeah it's it's more your breadth of knowledge on the subject than maybe your preference but i just feel like i'd still ask you for what the best stout is in a store or at a you know at the fest i'm asking you because i feel like you know even if it's not what you're gunning for But you know, Griffin, like the best stout is the stout you enjoy. Well, that's true. I mean, it's the best stout. The best stout is the friends we made along the way. They're both blushing. It's really weird.
3: Uh -uh. (laughs) Um,
0: So so now that we've talked a little bit about the beer fest and, and that kind of stuff, how about we taste some beer, guys? Yeah, I'm into that. I, we, You know, I'm, we, we were chatting a little bit beforehand, and maybe there's something special that Jeff wants to share with all of us.
3: Yeah, why don't we, since you guys have been hitting the Levante, why don't we hit, these guys were there yesterday. This was their connoisseur beer. Uh, they're called Brothers Kirshner Brewing. They're a little bit north of the city of Philadelphia in uh, Bucks County. And uh, this is Hilltop Farmhouse Reserve Ale. And if I can read the label, it's a uh, it's a barrel aged Saison. Of course, that's why I picked it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with blackberries and Bretomyces. Oh, I love If everyone bad. knows what Bretomyces is, probably your listeners don't. I don't. Um, bretomyces is just a, a purposeful bacteria infection. And it's oh. really used to sour, you know, so you all love sours or sort of love sours and i'm sure your listeners like sours as well. So, uh, that's one of the bacteria used to sour a beer. It's pretty distinct. There's a flavoring to it that uh, if it's real real strong it's not my favorite, but if it's subtle it like really works in a beer. So. So, who wants the honors of opening this?
0: I think your your son. All
3: right, toss me
0: the
1: toss me the opener. Oh lord, this is a strange opener. I'm sorry. All right, we got that open. All right, let's see how this looks. All right, go ahead and pour it. I'm going to put my mic right here. That sounded really clean. That sounded really clean, yeah. That sounded like a beer commercial. We just need the Budweiser Bullfrog.
0: Or the Ham's Bear.
1: The Ham's Bear. Start with the Ham's
0: the beer refreshing the beer refreshing
1: the beer you've been looking for
0: well gentlemen cheers cheers fellas cheers, cheers. Fellas. that my
1: friends was a jeffrey norman slurp that was griffin's <laughs>
0: father slurping into the mic and I could I think be you just
1: really can't be a true craft
3: aficionado without the proper slurp.
0: You got to pull it across the palate. I get it.
1: To <laughs> so get the most flavor. <laughs> Is that like when they're uh, wine tasting and it's like
0: Exactly. you aerating it so. in the swish and yeah. everything
3: else. Yeah, that's correct. It's now this, nice. wow. you can understand, you can, that flavor you're getting is the Brett. This does not have that sort of vinegary sourness to it, mm-hmm. but that Brett has sort of soured this beer. It's a very subtle sourness.
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly not as with the description of the uh, with the bacteria this is much less sour than I was expecting, but it's very tasty. I'm
3: not sure I'm getting the fruit. Yeah, or it's very subtle. The fruit itself is very subtle, but the aroma the aroma is strong. I mean, it's like a really
1: nice smell. I well, was tasting anything. The smell is kind of half the flavor.
0: Forty uh, percent of our listeners are really hating this right now. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is not the ASMR they wanted. <laughs> It's the ASMR they deserved. That is some really tasty beer. See if we have an ABV.
3: I'm not sure. Yeah, let me take a look here.
0: It's 8.3%.
3: Wow, oh. that's that's high for a saison. Bottle we got is, is 22 age. fluid ounces. They didn't say what kind of barrels. What
0: a uh, what do you, what do you usually expect for a saison? Uh, high sixes maybe. Okay. Guys, I don't Mid know if six. you've heard this, but according
1: to the Surgeon General, women should not drink all alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of the risk of birth defects. Consumption of alcoholic beverages impairs your ability to drive a car or operate can't machinery speak, apparently. and may cause health problems. I need to
2: stop <laughs> drinking immediately.
1: I never knew that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I've been doing it all wrong this whole time. I'm with child. <laughs>
2: You're also with pants. That's correct, Steve.
1: All right, well, we're tasting some tasty brews. Uh mm-hmm. We're uh we're chilling out at the kitchen table. Yeah. Maybe we should uh bop into a couple of listener questions.
0: Yeah, and so for the folks who weren't aware, um, I put up a little little blurb on our Discord, just saying, hey, this is going to be an our TTRPG light. So not sure. Or non-existent. <laughs> or non-existent. We're not talking about it at all, actually. I'll say Katie Callion at the top. Yeah, people are pretty disappointed at this point. Um, but I said, hey, we're going to have Griffin's dad on the show. And Griffin is a character. Um, and so, having his dad actually recording with us, we asked for questions not for us or anybody else on the show, but for Griffin's father. So I feel like we're about to learn a lot here.
1: Oh, also, I just want to say at the top of these questions... Thank you so much, guys. I think we got we got a big outpouring of questions. Yeah, for, real fast for very short notice. Would you ask this one, like yeah. like three days ago?
0: Yeah, like legitimately, it was earlier this week, and a bunch of people um, really want to know about you. Um, we also did say that Griffin's dad is a huge beer aficionado, so we do have some beer related questions as well. And we're gonna start with one of those. So this one comes from. Um, our friend emily from southern tomfoolery you just heard her voice two weeks ago um but with cooler weather hopefully on the way i'm looking forward to getting cozy with my favorite style of beer porter so dear griffin's dad what kind of food would you suggest to pair with a deliciously dark porter p.s between the beer fest and fathering griffin you're basically the coolest dad ever keep up the good work Thank you, Emily. That's very nice of you. <laughs> and yes, you're correct. I am. Uh,
3: porters uh, porters aren't typically high in alcohol. They run in like the 5 6% range. Uh, but they're usually roasty, chocolatey. You know, some people sort of think they're sort of like baby stouts, uh, so to speak. So uh, they're great with dessert. I mean, you could have it with ice cream, chocolate cake, uh I think uh, smoked meats would work very well with a porter because sometimes the roasted malt in the porter can even be a little smoky and have that kind of a roush quality to it like a not burnt but but uh, uh, getting the understanding nuttiness comes out sometimes those kinds of things Uh, so uh, maybe like a nice pork loin with porter but then by the same token I think a lot of beers pair well with food when they're almost sort of the opposite. So if you have really spicy food, you want something that's going to cool that down. Uh, If you have uh, something that's a little milder, then a very robust beer will kind of complement something that's not as strong on the food side. Uh, But I would say some
1: meats and cheeses and, and dessert items are really great with porter. See, it's funny you mentioned that because I had heard, uh, I, I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree with the um, the opposites attract theory of beer pairing. But I had heard that when you're eating spicy food, a lot of people really enjoy the super hoppy IPAs with that, which kind of blows my mind. Because I, I feel like that would be too much for me. Apparently, that's relatively popular. It could, yeah, it can be
3: complimentary and it can almost cut through it. Like, if it's really spicy something you know if it's a, like a lager it's almost going to be too mild and might be overwhelmed it just can't cut through like thai food or something right. like that so something that's uh, pretty hoppy uh will sort of help cut through that i mean it's the uh, you know I'm, I'm by no means like a food expert or a pairing expert but uh, again it's sort of one of those things is you like what you like so i think all your listeners should experiment
0: well, that's a pretty good answer to that question. Um, I actually have a question based off of your answer. I never knew what the difference between a porter and a stout was. Can you explain that for me? Oh, gosh, now you're killing me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's not a brewer. I'm I'm, I'm not a brewer
3: either. Uh, porters are just... Uh, well, they're both ales, but... Hmm. Uh, I, and I think Porter's just a lighter style. I, I really don't know, like, the, G, you know, the GABF, uh, you know, the judging criteria for the types of beers. I'm just more interested in drinking beer, I think. But uh, clearly Stouts, I, th- I think they're, you know, darker roasted malts. I think the stuff used in porter is a little bit lighter. I don't really know the hop profiles used in each to make them that much different, so... You should probably ask a different question and stop making me look stupid. <laughs>
1: have <laughs> you, think, have think you I... had white stout, Dad?
3: No, I don't even understand what that means. To be quite honest, it
1: exists. I had one. I think I had one on the episode that might be airing right before this, uh, or or maybe two episodes ago. Uh, the you've seen the dragon's milk from New Holland right. or whatever. Uh, I just saw the other day in the grocery store. They had. A white dragon's milk, which you would think—I mean, milk is supposed to be white anyway, so that makes sense. It was actually really good and had had kind of the—I want to say the, the more roasty—I think it was bourbon barrel age. The roastiness of a stout while still being—I mean, it was white in color. When you pour it out, it looks like a lager. It was really strange. Interesting.
0: All right, moving right along then. Our next question comes from user JarisTak. We know he likes craft beer, but does Griffin's dad like liquor and things that go boo?
3: I don't know what go boo means, but... Um, I We're not going to give you context. I do like brown liquid. Okay. I'm a big fan of brown liquid. Whiskey, bourbon, yeah. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Bourbon, I actually gravitate to rye because it's a little spicier.
1: So I'm a big rye fan. Yeah, rye whiskey. Yeah, that's where you and me, you know, continue to be like. I'm more of a bourbon than a rye guy. I like the sweeter the sweeter nature of a bourbon rather than the kind of burnt. I don't call it rye burnt, but
3: it's definitely spicier. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Mean, I don't, you I don't know, love the spice. Be- it's no different than any rye. Rye bread is kind of has a little bit more of the you know spicy quality to it than. You eating white bread? I bet Chris eats a lot of white bread. I think Chris lives on white bread.
2: I'm a wheat boy over here. Okay, don't stereotype me. <laughs> so I,
1: uh, off of this question, I actually have another question inspired by um, the guys at the the Glass Cannon podcast. I think they started off one of their recent episodes with this, but. Uh, since we're talking liquor, is do do you guys? And I'll I'll pose this question to the room: Do you have uh, an alcohol that you can't drink anymore because
0: of Griffin? This is not your question. This is Buster Knuckles' question. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh well, he stole it from the Glass Cannon <laughs> podcast. Then. If you have, a, so Jeff, I, liquor you swore off. I do. Yeah.
3: It was a stormy night in 1980 on a train from Rome, Italy to Munich, Germany for a beer drinking weekend of course and somehow several bottles of blended scotch not good scotch but blended scotch found its way into our compartment and to this day I can't smell
1: blended scotch I just cannot Ugh. I just want to throw a little shade on Steve for a moment because uh, that question is not on the fucking list. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, I it's not. read Looking it.
0: Looking at it right now.
1: Sorry, Griff. I read it. Jerris' Tech It's an
3: a email.
0: continuation of Jairus tax question. Oh, okay. Oh well, yeah, it was yep. the back end yeah. of
1: the of what kind of liquor do you, you like? You got to continue to uh, put spaces between the stuff, man.
0: Well, Get not. Your when. Game I'm right. supposed to read the questions. You're just hopping <laughs> in here, and fucking wiling. I'm wiling out. He's wiling. I'm not wiling.
2: Um, so, as,
3: go ahead so Chris what's your wild man warded off alcohol
2: so I'm not a wild man first off but I did uh, swear off tequila three to like three and a half years ago like the the day that I finished the day that I finished my um, I, I did a thesis for some undergraduate research I did and to celebrate when I finished that thesis I bought a bottle of tequila and brought it back and my roommate and I took shots of tequila i bought i picked up some limes and some salt we did shots of tequila and we chased it with you know lime and salt and stuff we ran through most if not all of the bottle there must have been like an eighth left after it and i woke up the next day with a massive hangover and just have it took me like a day and a half to recover and i will not i haven't i've I've avoided i might have drank it i might have had it once or twice but i avoid it to this day
1: are you the same as a lot of people that avoid tequila in that you can drink it in a, like can you have margs and stuff
2: yeah I probably could it was this was just this one time where I was like I'm gonna get wild so I'm gonna get this thing and then dry and then had it and it had a horrible experience and just like
1: swore G- off generally it. I feel like that's the case though like a lot of times when people swear off of a liquor it's more so like the taste of that liquor. So if you can mask it appropriately in like a mixed drink, it's usually okay. I mean, that's fair. It'll still get you fucked up, but like you could probably drink a margarita and you wouldn't feel gross like you would if you took a tequila shot.
0: Liquor I've sworn off of. Um There are plenty of liquors that I don't like drinking. I'm not a whiskey guy. Bourbon, scotch, really anything brown. It just doesn't sit right in my stomach, but not for any specific reason I didn't get too drunk on whiskey or too drunk on bourbon um, to get sworn off it Um, I guess I'll change this up a little bit and just say I have a very difficult time drinking Mike's Hard Lemonades now Um, because I used to drink those all the time in college and would have the most wicked hangovers because of all the sugar and now I'll have one and like, like my chest hurts or something it just it's gross I don't like them I can't do it
1: I feel that. Yeah. Feel your pain. <laughs> I don't, we all been there. I don't know that I've sworn off of any particular beverage. I mean, I definitely have my tastes when it comes to liquor. I really dislike gin. I can maybe trace that back to a time when me and my buddy Tommy, who you guys all met at the Brewfest, polished off a conservatively large amount of gin. But the only mixer we had was Gatorade. Oh, that's fun. Those classic G and G's. So that that was unpleasant. But but I, you know I can I can sip a gin. I just don't like the flavor of it. I don't enjoy Fireball anymore. I used to drink Fireball a lot in college. It was cheap. It had a flavor that wasn't really alcohol, and it got you pretty lit. I don't think I've drank fireball in probably a year or two. I'm not not a big fireball guy anymore, and I used to be able to just down this stuff. So you fend it off formaldehyde. <laughs> yeah, I remember there was a time in college when my dad was really harping on me over uh, drinking a lot of fireball, and he was like, well, it contains formaldehyde.
0: It's probably going to kill you. And I was like, all right, fine.
1: <laughs> okay, fine. I'll drink something else.
0: Sounds about right. Let's talk about something that might kill Griffin with embarrassment. Our next question comes from exo Can Griffin's dad tell us the most embarrassing child slash teen Griff story? Yeah, this was a tough one because it so many, well,
3: I wouldn't even say, no, I wouldn't say that. It was just (laughs) like, I was trying to think of something and I was scratching my head thinking so hard that I actually had to text my wife and ask her. Oh, I know the story that's going this. Well, to I know, out and she this. immediately came up with a time we went to the beach in Delaware, and the morning we were leaving for a week at the beach, Griffin woke up, and I, he's pretty young, and he's like yakking everywhere, so he's just yakking, so it's like, uh, we're heading to the beach for a week, he's sick. So, you know, we take care of all that. And he He feels better. He starts to feel better. We drive to the beach. He doesn't get car sick. He feels pretty good. We have a good day at the beach. We're staying with some friends of ours that we know in Kent Square. Uh, We have a nice burgers and things for dinner. And uh, everything's going great. And we come in the house. And Griffin announces again that he doesn't feel very well. So he goes into the powder room. And uh, it was a little bit noisy in there <laughs> as it is <laughs> generally
0: uh, I'm putting it pretty
3: diplomatically <laughs> so of course Mrs. Norman gets a little concerned and uh, she goes over and the door's locked so she can't get in the powder room so she's knocking on the door and Griffin's in there sort of not doing too well, and she's she's saying, "Griffin, Griffin, are you okay?" And Griffin's like, "Mommy, I watery poopy. I watery poopy." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's like, "Well, I can't get in. You've locked the door." He goes, "I did what? You you locked the door?" So he's like, "Why well, can't get up?" So <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: so he finally gets up and he's fiddling with the door, and uh, we're concerned but kind of laughing too it's like pretty funny and uh he, he couldn't get out so he couldn't get out and then i think he said something like oops gotta go again and he like <laughs> ran back and he sat down and uh that took like 20 minutes or something and then walt uh found he got something and we i don't even remember how it happened but we picked the lock,
0: <laughs>
3: picked the lock and we opened the door and drifts still sitting there on the throne still making noise and we laugh about it to this day sort of and i've been sitting on the throne making noise ever since exactly that's sort of what i thought <laughs> myself and like it just carried on to you know modern day so
0: watery poopy is a weekly occurrence at the Griffith Norman household. <laughs> yeah. So he was what is <laughs> You know what, Chris? I think you're
3: right. I think he finally slid his driver's license under the door, uh. and we, you know, we picked the lock on the, uh, you know, <laughs> I on the. Can't get out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, he
3: could find a way out, but we slid the card down on the jam, and we popped the uh, latch. So
0: it all lines up. It
3: does line up.
0: Best thing I've ever heard. Um, next question. Adam from Southern Tomfoolery. Again, what type of beer would Griffin's dad pair with chowder, one with Boston clam chowder, and one for Manhattan clam chowder? Uh, again,
3: I, I, I mean, I'm a big proponent of sort of a little bit of the opposite idea. I think, you know, a Guinness is great with chowder or a nice oyster stout type of thing, but I think I would drink stout, not. Not a high alcohol imperial stout, but just a nice uh, American stout or, or a dry Irish stout with clam with white clam chowder. And then Manhattan's spicier. So uh, I think what Griffin mentioned earlier, I think probably works well maybe with Manhattan. Something not overly hoppy, but something a little bit hoppy to sort of complement the, the spiciness or the tiny... Manhattan's not really hot. There's no heat, but there's there's certainly a, a, a spiciness sort of to it. So I think I would go, well, I don't even know if I would go IPA. I would go a nice pale ale with the Manhattan and a nice dry or American stout with the white clam chowder.
1: I was thinking almost interchangeably between the two, like a nice middle ground. I think like an amber ale would be pretty decent. Yeah, that both. would do well. Yeah, it would be okay. It did it work of- in a kind of middle ground if you only have one thing in your... Uh, you know, as often happens, you only have one type of beer in your fridge, but multiple chowders to eat for dinner. Yeah, I mean, at the at who eats both clam, clam chowders for dinner? Right? Who does? I don't know if you eat Manhattan, you're a fucking monster.
0: Adam from Southern Town Foolery. Adam. Yeah, he wants he Get wants your life right. He wants two. <laughs> he wants two different
2: beers for both of his uh, chowders. We need to talk him out of those two course chowder meals. That's just not. It's not right. You're not living right, Adam. It's not
1: sustainable. <laughs>
2: Those classic you know, may, chowder Well cans. you
3: know Maybe breakfast stout Maybe Adam Eats chowder at breakfast
1: mm. I don't know
0: What kind of What kind of chowder Would you have at breakfast
1: I would go white Yeah, yeah I mean yeah. I'm not eating Manhattan clam chowder For anything I'm It's just not my style Okay Chowder's gotta be creamy In my opinion But that's just That's just where I land on it Or oyster stew
0: Yeah What's oyster stew Well come on Steve Is it just stew With oysters in it
3: it's basically a milk-based, but usually thin. Okay. So not a, thinner a thin, than a New England a clam. chowder. So it's like a, a thin sort of milk-based uh, broth. More, it's more or less a broth than a chowder, but just and then just giant wasters, you know,
0: floating around in there. Oh, I love. This I time. would do that with okay. stout. I think. Okay. All right, uh, we're gonna keep this train moving. We got two more questions. I think we can hit both of them. Uh, This one comes from Bipolar Pop-Tart Is he disappointed in his son? Wait, no, I'm sorry I didn't read the whole question (laughs) Is he disappointed that his son drinks more White Claw Natterdays than craft beer?
3: Uh, no Again, drink what you like (laughs) But, uh It's perplexing to me To say the least Um I can see the seltzer idea of the white claw, that whole kind of thing. But,
1: I, I mean, I drank a Natterday. What are your thoughts? Well, it's I just polarizing I, on the show. Okay, listen. I just want to get out in front of this. This is a bullshit question, first of all, by Polar Pop-Tart, because I've been vocal on air several times saying that Natterdays fucking suck. That is true. That is true. So, like, I, I don't know if, like, he thinks Brooks is my dad's kid, but I'm, that's I, the only guy that drinks the Natterdays.
3: I now feel better and sort of a moment of pride.
0: So, oh, wow. They're so both crying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had one,
3: like, two sips of Natterdays, and I, mean, like, it's I just turned awful. to my buddy at the beer distributor, who, by the way, helps with yesterday. Great job, Waywood Beverage. Am I allowed to do that? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, and, and, and his name also is Jeff. I'm like, Jeff, what? And he's like, you can't, we can't keep this in for, like,
0: the frat boys it's just like they just love this shit can you can you give me like a 30 second review of natterdays cuz i'm very anti natterday what do you actually what do you think of the beer it's, what does it taste
3: like It's sweet kind of lemonade vile,
1: <laughs> vile. <laughs> but despicable yeah.
3: yeah more descriptors of what it is than taste i guess yeah despicable vile and uh, it's just too sweet why and I when think- we were in Columbus, we got their version of seltzer.
1: That was horrific. That cherry shit. Oh my god! <laughs> it was kind of cough syrupy. Uh, it really was. That that was uh, you know fourteen ninety nine not well spent. That's all I can say. I mean, I would never drink that over this like revive or like the it, yeah there. We actually lucked out. We went to a beer distributor today, and I was genuinely surprised. Like, I got myself some beers, but I was genuinely surprised by the amount of seltzers that I had never tried that are there. I mean, you guys have heard me drink, like, Bon and & Viv and White Claw and even the uh, Smirnoff seltzers and Trulies. But there's a bunch of crafts. I think the craft seltzer movement is starting to happen. I think it's it's coming in.
3: We, uh, we spoke earlier, Chris had mentioned, as goofy and bizarre as Pennsylvania's alcohol laws are, Pennsylvania gets more good beer and malt beverages than almost any state in the United States. I mean, the stuff that gets imported into our state is incredible. And you guys all saw that selection today. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. You know, it's Uh, So that's the good part about Pennsylvania. The bad part is how you can go about getting it sometimes. But anyway,
1: yeah, it's like you're at a distributor instead of at the grocery store or you're,
0: oh, I wanted a couple beers and a whiskey. Guess I'm going to have to make two trips. So so Jeff, just to round out this question, um, I want you to rate Natterdays for me on a scale of zero to five hours. And these are um, if... If Chris were at a beer festival that just had Natterdays and it was five hours long, how many of those hours should he sleep? Five hours and one minute?
2: <laughs>
3: the
0: entire festival. He
3: sleep could, through. He could be wheeled in asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and then awoken as the final whistle went off or the bell or whatever that ended the festival. Thrown out by the cops.
0: And have, and have no time to drink
1: Natterdays. It's just like a. I mean, it's it's a shit sh- shit sandy I mean that's what it is it's just I mean even for, for my money like if I wanted a shit sandy or shandy I'd, I'd get a lining kugel yeah and that's I mean that's like the bottom of the I mean they're okay but they're not great I mean shandys in general are kind of shit that's why I
0: call them shit sandys that's what they say last question for you Jeff This comes from our boy, Necessary Evil. In an alternate universe where people are now sentient beer cans and bottles of beer, what beers would Griffin Steve be? I'm also going to extend this to Chris, too, because he's here helping host the show.
3: Okay, I gave this some thought. I'll start with you. Thank uh, you. Steve, and then I'll go to Chris, and then I'll go to Griffin. Uh, I view you as like a nut brown ale. All right. You're kind of goofy and nutty. Sure. Uh, It's also the color of the stuff that streaks in his underpants. Oh, my goodness. I was going to say your skin tone, but...
0: Nut brown. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? A pale as hell.
3: I really had no further comparison. I was just looking for, like, the nutty, crazy aspect. So, Nut Brown Ale right, came up yeah. for you. Uh, I see Chris as the classic Euro logger, <laughs> Benign. <laughs> uninteresting.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God.
3: Mass-produced.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I view myself as complex and intriguing, but really I'm just a different type of basic. Okay.
1: Much like a Eurologger that would put you to sleep for several hours. A little bit
0: skunky. Oh, he's skunky. He's uh, uh, he's skunky. skunky. See, see a high yeah, meat? we all agree on yeah, that.
3: You know. He's, he's sort of like bathed in the green bottle yeah, idea. Yeah, he, def- he yes. definitely served in He's a, in definitely light bottle. struck, as yeah. you could tell from the fest. So, <laughs> so. so anyway, all in fun, Chris. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's got
1: that look. And, actually offended.
3: <laughs> and I, he's so I, w- mad. I would say Griffin is probably like one of these double dry hop, double IPAs that kind of smack you in the face up front. A little caustic, yep, yep. <laughs> acerbic, uh, but in the end, he has a very nice, smooth finish.
2: Ew. Ew. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what they say. I mean, that's fair. Do, do, do you, you have ha- one for yourself? Well, I would be...
3: Your, your listeners probably have to look this up. I, I view myself as the Brasserie DuPont. Brasserie. Avec les bonnes vous. Saison, which means all the best wishes, but it's their super Saison for Christmas. And when it comes to this discussion in the Beer Fest, I view myself as sort of Superman. So,
1: Oh, Super Saison?
3: Super, super Saison. Super Santa? <laughs> no, Super Saison. There's the beer, but uh, I view myself on a higher plane when it comes to the beer. So. Oh, okay. He's
1: enlightened. Very humble. Yeah, very Very humble. humble. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jeff, it's been great having you on. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot of stuff today too. When's When's the Winterfest going to happen? Should people come out to that?
3: Oh, they should. Your listeners, if you're in the Mid Atlantic, you should come. It's going to be on Saturday, February 29th. So we're thinking about certain ways to promote that because it's Leap Day. Uh, it's always it the last Saturday in February, and this year it happens to be the 29th So we're we're uh, mulling around how we might market that thought, but uh, that it's a great time. Again, it's a smaller fest, so it's a little bit more intimate. And tickets uh, for that will go on sale late late November. Great Christmas gift, even still a great Valentine's gift because it's the end of February. So. Uh, yeah, you should come. That's the next festival. It'll be a good time.
1: Hey, if it's your birthday and you've lived on the earth for 84 years, you're actually a drinking age and can come to the fest.
0: <laughs> you are now able you, to are come now to the fest. you are
1: now 21. You are now 21. So, Dad, um, probably don't want to give out your personal contact information to these degenerates, but how can folks reach uh, the brew fest? Uh, they can go to
3: www.kennetbrewfest.com. And actually, the Winterfest has its own site as well, which is just www.kennetwinterfest.com.
0: And that's Kennet with
3: two
1: N's, two T's? Two, yes, it's exactly. And you guys are all over social media as well. So if they want yeah, to we follow have Facebook the page, uh,
3: not separate, but every, everything for the both, both festivals on Facebook. Uh, Kenneth.brewfest is our Instagram account. Uh, We have a lot of postings there. I'm a dinosaur, but I'm figuring out how to do a story. (laughs) (laughs) So, So you can follow us there as well.
0: All right. Well, I would say that probably about wraps it up. Thank you again for having us, Jeff. Thank you for hosting us for the week. Thank you for giving me a... XXL sized growler koozie um, that I'm using to drink this growler that I'm actually almost done with. Um, thanks for getting us into the connoisseur hour so I could taste some of the best beers in the entire world, the entire state, the entire Eastern seaboard. Um, just from myself and the rest of the HLP crew, we appreciate the hospitality. Um, Chris, is there anything do you want to say to the folks before we uh, sign off? Nope. This has been wonderful and I'm very content. Okay. Griffin, much like a (laughs) Eurologger, yes. (laughs) Griffin and Jeff, please tell each other you love each other.
1: Love you, Dad. I love you, Griffin, my only son. Aww. Notice the emphasis on only.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Griff, is there anything you want to say to the listeners before we sign off?
1: No. All I want to say is I need you guys to finish your drinks because we'll see you in two weeks.
2: Fortnite. Later.